Happy New Year, everybody. Good to see you today. I'm Pastor Michael, the pastor at Summit. Terrific, terrific. Yeah, what a great January we are enjoying this year. I uh, happened to notice that yesterday, yesterday was Epiphany. If you don't know what Epiphany is on the high Jewish calendar, it's day that the, the church calendar recognizes and celebrates the visiting of the Magi. Uh, to see the Christ, they travel a great distance to see him. And I noticed that, that last year on that day, January um, 6th, 2017, that the temperature here in Estes Park was a negative flood. <laughs> so I like this a whole lot better, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Hey, let's celebrate today, uh, yeah. Uh, I can't believe I, I saw Greg, Greg and Pam Mahoney come in this morning. Greg had a heart attack. It wasn't any minor hot heart attack. He looks better than ever, man. Whatever they did, yeah, that was good. Good to see you. Awesome. 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 Then I saw uh, Stacy Alston come in today, and uh, you know, she's getting those three boys ready while James is here. You know, just love to play piano and, and, and all this stuff. But they're due. And I, and I say they're due on, on Tuesday. Is that right, Tuesday? Wednesday. Okay, we have a whole extra day, nothing to worry about. Uh, yeah, but, but if you recognize during the service at some point, we don't have a drummer, then you can, or not a drummer, a keyboardist, you can know exactly what happened, right? Yeah, so, gotta love, yeah, love, love, love. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, so, this Thursday night, we call for prayer for Rich Babcock. I was blown away. 54 of you showed up to pray for him. That was awesome. Thank you, body of Christ. And Greg and Pam wanted to be there, but they had a little trouble that day. <laughs> What's that? Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Got one of you to have a little interview there, so uh, there you go. Uh, and uh, so that was wonderful. And uh, since the prayer meeting, we're seeing... Rich's platelets begin to rise, um, and that's a good thing. It's moving around a little bit more. So we are giving thanks to God and believing for his kidneys to wake up. So if you're not joining us in that prayer, a whole bunch of people are getting cans of kidney beans and setting them around to remind them every time you see your kidney beans to pray for Rich's kidneys. <laughs> yeah, so that's the way it works. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Love seeing you laugh, man. Thank you for that. That's good. Um, I get to teach Hebrews in the next several weeks, so looking forward to this um, book of Hebrews. But I love what's going on. So this week, next week, and the week after that, as God allows, we will be in the book of, of Hebrews. How many of you uh, have a faith background that, in some one way or another, involved a priest or priests? Anybody besides me? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, good memories? Bad memories of that? Both? No? What's that? No, mine? Okay. Yeah, okay. I, I have both have fun memories. And I love being able to play trumpet as a kid, St. Augustine's Cathedral. I love marching for the uh, Desert Knights drum guild court starting in seventh grade. And, and so uh, I good memories of, of all that stuff. Um, what, are, what is the role of a priest? When you think of a priest, uh, what, what's his job really? Any, any thoughts there? Intercessor. Okay, cool. Was there another one? 
Mediator, okay. Those two working together. Is there something else? Shepherd? Okay, cool. Teacher? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, facilitator of the sacraments, right? What are some misconceptions of priests, do you think, that people tend to have? Misconceptions. Think about it. That somehow they have arrived. They're, they're a little closer to God than, than any of the rest of us and oh to be like them, right? Not oh to be like you, blessed Redeemer, but oh to be like you, priest, right? Yeah. Was there another one? The only way to God. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, what about a really boring life and you don't want to invite them to anything fun? <laughs> Maybe a little bit, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe just a little bit here. Well, I want you to look at our text today because we are in Hebrews chapter five, and I want to highlight quickly the three functions of a high priest. They are all in the first verse. Um, yeah, and they're all based on key words that you find here in the scriptures. But when you hear these. Please program in your minds, plan in your minds the word grace. Yeah, I appreciate the singing about grace today. Awesome, awesome. This is right here. Generally speaking, a priest's role, whether he got it right or not, was, was to become a facilitator or an executioner of God's great grace. God's great grace to you and me. We are rebellious People, right, uh, broken in relationship to God, having these intercessors, we use these words mediators, as our way to God. So the vocation of the priest, the vocation of the high priest, was to be an instrument of God's great kindness. God reaching out to, to a fallen mankind, a broken, rebellious mankind with, 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 with great, great love, his mercy. It's, it's grace, it's, it's compassion, it's, it's all about pardon. So notice these, verse one, the first word I want you to see there is the word appointed. Your Bible might have the word ordained or, or made. Okay, something like this. A high priest was appointed to work hard on behalf of the people in matters related to God. So, so here we have the word grace, that he was away, was, was, notice I'm trying to speak past tense, was away for people who were far from God and are far from God to come to even begin to approach God. Role of a high priest. Second word, also in verse 1, notice the word offer or, or bring. You see that word here. Uh, what this is about is a high priest was to offer sacrifices for sin. Now, if you jump down to verse 3 on this one, it's important that you notice that he had to offer sacrifices for his own sin as well. If people wanted to worship God, they had to do so through a priest. If people wanted to worship God by bringing offerings, sacrifices to God, which really is about worship, they had to do so through a priest. There was no bypassing the priest. There was no opportunity to even think 
about drawing near to God apart from the priest. So grace, this is grace, grace that he was a way for people to offer sacrifices, to bring the proper worship to God. Okay, third word, notice the word selected there. You might have taken or the word chosen in your Bible, that he was selected from among mere sinful human beings just like you and me. So where did we ever get this idea that a priest must be a person who has somehow arrived or is somehow better than the rest of us? Where did we ever get this idea that whenever we're in the presence of clergy, we need to straighten out? <laughs> I mean, I deal with this, we deal with this all the time. You better be careful. I mean, that's, that's the preacher right there. Yeah. Now, please, please, don't get me wrong in any of this. There is room for respect for these offices, and there is accountability to anyone who is in a position of, of leadership. But this whole matter and this, this, this business of trying to impress a religious leader only sets that leader up for potential failure. It's, it's very risky business because spiritual leaders need prayer just as much as anyone else. They don't need to be patronized. They need you to cover them in prayer. They need prayer just as much as the next guy. I need your prayer. We need your prayer. We should never hold up any person like a priest in this position of thinking, oh, to be like them. Okay, that, that's dangerous. In fact, our text just wants to keep building on this, on the deficiencies of the priest. Okay, so here in verse 1, we've already seen he was a mere man among men. Now look at verse 2, that he was beset with common weakness. Verse 3, that he had a sin problem just like the rest of us. Again, using the word had, 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 past tense, that he had no honor in himself. And if there was anything good to be observed from his life, it should be, let it point you to God, all glory to God, no glory or honor to me. And, 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 and so this begins to get practical here and, and very clear in scriptures. Priests, high priests, pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles, are all from among imperfect people. God's best are messed up, just like everybody else. Okay, so once you tell somebody near you, you really messed up, and then so, and so am I. Yeah. Okay. Glad we got that straight. Okay. Yeah. Yet here's the deal. There, there's grace. A priest was a fallible human being, just like the rest of us. It was God's message to anyone who, who will hear it. You are not alone in your struggle. Don't forget it. We all need a Savior. Okay? I was thinking about priest stories and, uh, and, and uh, you know, I've told you a number of my personal ones, but one priest talks about the time he was doing confessions and a, a a little boy in second grade came in for his confession and went through his confessional rites. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And these are my 
sins. I've disobeyed my mom and dad. I've fought with my uh, brothers and, and sisters and have committed adultery. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what do you do if the priest and the second grader says, I've committed adultery? <laughs> so the priest, you know, hide behind that curtain, has to do his composure, and he says, uh, uh, Tell me, son, what do you mean when you say you've committed adultery? And the little kid said, well, I don't know. I just don't like adults very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, 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 this one uh, British woman, British woman talks about a time that a bishop showed up at her house. Okay, now, now when we talk about a, a bishop, we're talking about a leader of a diocese, of a, of a network of churches, okay? Not a local parish priest. But, but uh, one who oversees a number of, of, of churches showed up at her front door and kind of took her by surprise. So she left him in the living room for, for a moment while she, well, left her in the living room with her husband and little baby while she went into the kitchen to prepare some tea because that was the proper thing to do. Well, when she gets in the kitchen uh, and is preparing this tea, she realized she didn't have any milk or cream, and you can't serve tea, I guess, without milk or cream. So now she's panicked. I mean, this is a bishop. She's got to respect them. What does she do? And then she saw the baby formula. Uh, she wondered if that would work. And, and uh, so she poured a little bit of the baby formula into some tea and tried it. It seemed fine uh, to her. But now she's kind of paranoid. She went ahead and served it anyway. And she's watching as this priest takes his first sip, and he seemed okay, didn't flinch. And, but, but as he's drinking this cup down, she couldn't even imagine finishing it. She's, you know, her mind's going crazy. This is the way the Catholic brain works. Oh, no. I mean, what if he finds out? I could be in real trouble. I could be excommunicated. And then she had the humorous thought of, man, I'm sure glad that wasn't breast milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, what is she going to do? Well, a few days later, again, Catholic mind, she's still feeling guilty. So she decided she needed to take this matter to confession to her priest. And wouldn't you know it? There was a guest priest there. Guess who it was? It was the bishop! Oh no, what is she going to do now? Maybe I should change what sin I'm going to share. Oh, but I can't do that because I'd be lying. And wouldn't that be a sin, a lie in confession? Maybe I should just do my little genuflect, you know? You get out of here. All of this over a priest. And I share this with you because there's some really good news here. There's no need to try to impress the priest. There's no need to try to impress any of the clergy anywhere because they are all imperfect, just like anyone else. Imperfect human beings it is further evidence of God's great kindness. Yet the priest is to be an instrument of grace, of that kindness. Look at verse 2 here, this job description, to deal gently with those of us who are ignorant and tend to go astray since he himself is weak and vulnerable just like us. 
to produce a practical picture of God's great kindness. That's what he's supposed to be. That's what each one of us is to be. Okay, now I want to move on into the text, but before I do, there's, there's several important things that I, I need to highlight here with you to help you to see this, okay? So the first is, I need you to notice in verse 4, Aaron, Aaron mentioned there, because Aaron was the first high priest, Israel's first high priest, and Aaron entered this position by virtue of his family line. Okay, if you know Bible history, you know that there were the 12 tribes of Israel, 11 of the tribes received a portion of land as their own, but not the, the Levites. Their portion was to be God himself. They were to be cared for by those 11 tribes, those other 11 tribes. They were to serve as priests, and that was their role. So priests came through the family line of Levi. Okay, this is Aaron. One of the Levites. Hold on to that, and we'll need it as we go forward. Second thing to notice here is that as I was talking about the functions of the priest, I was very intentional to try to keep it with, with the past tense. Because the priesthood that we've seen up to this point was imperfect, imperfect, hear that. The priesthood was imperfect, and it was never intended by God to be permanent. Why? Because it was carried out by imperfect people, and they had one role, and that role was, and this is the name of the series here, to point to something greater. Point to something greater. Point to someone greater, which takes us right to verse 5. And that something greater has a name. What is that name? Jesus. Yeah, you got that one right. Jesus. Jesus is greater than. So as verse 5 begins, we see this contrast because it says, in the same way. And if you read, as you read that, you see that just as the high priest had no glory to claim as his own, so Jesus chose to claim no glory of his own However, while the priest was a priest because of a family line, Levi, Jesus is the great high priest. And right here, now we start to point back to some prophecies, okay? These are fulfilled prophecies that are taking place that we're beginning to see in the scriptures. And the first takes us back to Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, where God the Father was prophesied, that, that he will say of Jesus, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. So that's where the comparison ends, right here. Priests were priests because they happened to be in a family line. But Jesus is priest because Jesus is the perfect son of God. Jesus is priest in the very order of God, and because he's priest in the order of God, he is also king. Jesus, priest and king. Is Jesus your priest? Is Jesus your king? Or are you still thinking you're somehow good enough, claiming you're your own priest apart from Christ, 
and thinking you're your own king, that it's my way and I don't need any God at all to tell me what I need to do. Jesus, priest and king. So then verse 5 brings us home into fruition. Now it's quoting Psalm 110 verse 4 when God says, Thou art a priest, Jesus, forever after the order of, and then this name messes us up every time we read the book of Hebrews because we don't know what to do with it, after the order of Melchizedek. After the order of Melchizedek. Jesus isn't a priest in the imperfect order of Aaron. Jesus is a perfect priest in the perfect order of Melchizedek. Well, what's with Melchizedek? Well, we don't know where he came from. We don't know where he went, but what we know is that Abraham ran into him one day and immediately recognized God's anointing on his life so strongly that he that Abraham immediately took 10% of everything that he had and gave it to him as an offering to God. Because Melchizedek may have been Jesus Christ himself, but he's definitely a picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. He's re referenced as both king and priest. He didn't come from some family line such as Levi. He is a priest and king in the order of God himself. That's who we're talking about right here. Yeah. So what does this tell us? The office of the human priesthood, as we've been saying, is imperfect just as priests. The priests were imperfect. The office of priest, as we've seen it until this point, was never intended to be permanent. It was only intended to point to the one who is greater than. Now we enter Jesus, who is the perfect high priest. We saw him in the Old Testament. We see him in the New Testament. And here's what we know. What Jesus did and what Jesus does is absolutely perfect because Jesus is grace perfected. Perfect grace. What Jesus did and is doing, has done, will do, was never temporary. It is the permanent thing that the temporary thing always pointed to. This is grace manifest. Hmm. Since it is now Jesus who rules, and since it is now Jesus who represents you to the Father, you no longer need a priest in order to approach God. That's grace. Did you hear it? You no longer need an intercessor or a mediator in a human being. You can come to God with confidence. Since Jesus gave his own life as a sacrifice to end all sacrifices, you no longer need a priest to bring offerings to God on your behalf. Now you are invited to just come and bring yourself. That's grace. And we sang about it. I wanted to cheer as I was singing the words of these songs this morning. Thanks for relating us. Since Jesus Christ is perfect in every way, all of us imperfect ones 
can now approach God through Christ just as we are. And that is grace. And I'm going to say this as clearly and distinctly as God will enable me to say it. The old office of priest is dead. It's dead. It's a dead office. And, and as I was thinking about this, I immediately was drawn back to the Apollo spacecrafts. I even built one of those big rockets one time. Because those rockets, uh, you know, I think about three-stage rockets, okay? And, and each of those stages carried enough fuel to get that rocket to the next level. But when that stage, when the fuel in that stage was used up, it wasn't good for anything. It was dropped off to lighten the load and allow the rest of the rocket to go forth with greater purpose. And, and the reason I share that with you is because the old office of priest had the fuel necessary to carry us toward the mission of it all, and that mission is God's salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. So we don't need the pomp of religion anymore. All of us imperfect ones are now called to an order of priests ourselves that we're given the privilege to approach God on our, on our own volition through Jesus Christ, that we're allowed to have a vital relationship with God. And, and, and when we blow it, sure, there's value in confessing to one another. There's accountability there. But we can come on our own and confess and agree with God about what he already knows. But it doesn't stop there because we, too, have been given the privilege to now stand in the gap on behalf of those who are still far from God and are still needing to know the way to God. If you call yourself a believer, you're part of that priesthood. And it's a priesthood made perfect because you have a king and you have the great heart. And I'm talking in present tense, no longer past tense. You have the great high priest. This is what we're talking about. Okay, so verse 7. You guys all look so beautiful today. It is so awesome. This is the word of God coming alive. Do you hear it? Do you hear it? Do you hear it? Oh, man, what's inspiring me today is, is I was just thinking about the Apostle Paul. He heard the word preached when he heard Stephen preach. And then he watched Stephen being martyred because of his message. God wasn't done with Paul because on the road to Damascus, Paul was struck with a bright light, and Jesus asked him, Saul, Saul, why art thou persecuting me? Paul called him the name of the Lord and saved. And I'm realizing today that God does his work without me, but God allows me into his party. And I'm believing today that, that someone here can be struck with a great light, knocked out, knocked to the ground, in order that you might call him the name of the Lord and say, it might not have anything to do with what I'm saying today, but it's because of something that God planted in your heart, and today, like a bright light, boom, is waking up in your soul. So you can call on the name of the and experience life as easily as it is. That's what it's about. So verse 7, Jesus, he offered up prayers and petitioned with fervent cries and tears 
to the one who could save him from death. Who could save Jesus from death? The Father. Right? And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Huh. Uh, this should take you right to the garden of Eden. Right, right there, where, where on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, right before he was to be handed over to, to be crucified, he was praying and weeping before the Father with such intensity that the Bible says he began to sweat great drops of blood. And, and as he was praying, he said things like this, Now my soul is heavy. The hour has come. What shall I say, Father? Save me from this hour. Praise God, it didn't stop there because inside of Jesus there was this resounding, no, no, it was for this very hour that I came into the world, Father. Glorify thy name. Father, if it is possible, let this cup be taken from me. Let's just skip the whole suffering thing. Let's just skip the whole cross thing. Father, if you could redeem mankind any other way, by their personal goodness, by their valiant efforts, by religious duty, or morality. Father, let's do that. Jesus knew there was no other way. And he was surrendered to it. And the cup didn't pass. It couldn't pass. And Jesus, realizing that, said, nevertheless, not what I will, but thy will be done. And here we are. Those of us who have recognized the calling of the Holy Spirit, but recognized our desperate state, our sinfulness that caused Jesus to die, and that God's Spirit allowing us to call on the name of the Lord, that we sing these songs. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, bless us. That's all we can do. Worthy is the Lamb. Holy, holy God Almighty, the great I am. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. So then, here we are, we're in the midst of crying out on behalf of our friend Dan Claus, or not Dan Claus, and that's not a prophecy, nothing there, okay, except God's using you in prayer. Who's really praying for Ruth Valcom? What's your name there, Dan? I don't know, yeah. Praying for him, and so we say, well, was Jesus prayer on her? No, no, because it's the second half there, verse 7 says he was heard. He was heard. Because of his reverent Submission. He prayed God's will be done, and God's will was done. But ultimately, Jesus is, is victor because ultimately Jesus did defeat death. Ultimately, he did conquer the grave, and now that cup is behind him forever and forever being extended to anyone who will receive it. The body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Let me give you a couple of applications here that I believe you've seen. First, please hear that your prayers are, are being answered. The, the fact that, that your prayers may not appear to be being answered in exactly the way that you had thought they should doesn't mean that God isn't responding. Please hear the attitude of the Apostle Paul in his prayer when he said, that I may know him, Jesus and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death, if somehow I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. 
That's it. That's ultimate victory through faith in Christ. No matter what path you may currently find yourself on, you win in the end. And that's God's amazing grace. Go on to the next verse in Hebrews 5, verse 8. It says, Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest. Here it is again in the order of Melchizedek. So you read this, you know, and you, you ask yourself the question, wait a minute, is this contradicting what I know about Scripture? I mean, this thing about Jesus learning obedience and being made perfect, should we assume that at some point Jesus was disobedient or lacked something? I mean, Hollywood wants to grab a hold of this and make movies that potentially Jesus failed at some point. No, 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 friends. Jesus was the perfect son of God. But what this is saying is that Jesus was called to a level of experience that he never knew before. He was called to a level of obedience that he could even begin to understand until he walked through this. And because Jesus was willing to suffer, he understands your pain and he understands your anguish. He allowed himself to be vulnerable to that and thereby has proven his credentials to be your compassionate and great high priest. That's who you have. Prayers are being asked. Secondly, God's going to use it all. <laughs> yeah, he identifies with your deepest anguish. He's not going to waste a bit of what you're going through. And just as what he went through allowed him to attain a different level of understanding than he ever knew before, so he's going to use whatever you may find yourself in. If you will trust him to fashion and mold you into the image of Jesus Christ. I can't believe getting around Terry with Rich and, and her saying, I just know that the reason those kidneys haven't started just yet is because in God's perfect time, he's going to use it in a significant way. <laughs> and you know why she says that? In, in an attitude of whether it be mind or death. I trust him. That is grace, 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 grace upon grace. How do people live apart from God? What do you have to hold on to? But when you walk with God and you begin to realize and embrace and, and understand that, that with God all things work out in the end, that you win in the end, that we're not living for this temporary messed up place with these temporary messed up bodies that keep failing us, but that we are living for a day in glory when everything is right and good and, and when we can run and not grow weary, walk and not be faint. And I just believe we, I believe we can find, I believe we can touch the sky. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about. Grace, grace, grace. Grace upon us. That's the word of God. That's the word of God. So what's the spirit? Yeah, give God the word. Let's get the worship team up here. Let the Holy Spirit work on you right now. What, what is it? What, why are you bringing you here? You're not here by accident. What's it that God's wanting you to hear? I don't know how. How are you going to respond? Just trust him to help you. Because you're not going to do it on your own. 
Father God, today I just have a sense that there's repentance going on in this room, that there's some turning around, that there's surrendering happening, that people are recognizing I've been going the wrong direction, and it's time to come home. Eating or, or envying the pigs, the life of envying the pigs, but today having an awakening that my father has so much more. Son, daughter, hear the Father calling through the Spirit and come home. Today is your day. Right now, this is your moment. For his name.